Hey guys, how you doing? Are you happy? We're done with Genesis. That's right. Today is the final one. It's only been two years. It's not too bad. I counted it up. I think it was total 48 messages in two years on Genesis 1 through 50. Uh, 26 messages on 1 through 11, only 22 messages on uh, 12 through 50. See, I sped up. I really went fast at the end there. Um, anyway, it's, uh, it's good. It's good to be at the end of this great book um, and excited to get into, obviously, our Advent season. Got a uh, a, a, a kind of a standalone message next week, and then the week after we start Advent, and uh, excited about that. Are you guys ready for Christmas? Yeah. Right? Yes, right? My uh, lights, my Christmas tree was up on Halloween day, so, uh, <laughs> so it served as a Halloween tree for one day, and then the next day it became the Christmas tree. It was great. <laughs> we had, uh, you know, uh, uh, folks coming in, you know, trick-or-treating and knocking on the door and say, uh, sorry about that, but that's, yeah, that's a Halloween tree. And so they were like, what's going on around here? Where's the goblins and stuff? And like, no, no, we're on to Christmas already. Anyway, uh, it's good. I'm excited about Advent as well. So this uh, final message on Genesis is uh, as, we, as we look at the, this, if we spent time in the last couple of years in this book, we recognize that it is the foundation of our worldview, but also the foundation of our faith. Now, in Genesis 1 through 11, it really centered on what is all this about, right? Why are we here? You know, why did God create? What is the problem with the world? You know, these existential questions were, uh, many of them were answered in Genesis 1 through 11. And then this year, we've seen that uh, our faith, what is faith? What is it all about? What is, what, what comes with faith? What are the blessings of faith? What, what uh, uh, you know, who are we putting our faith in, right? And, and leaning again into the character of God that we learned about in Genesis 1 through 11, but also what is the power in faith? These are the things that we learned throughout Genesis 12 to 50, and we learned them through the lives of individuals, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, right? These, these, uh, these pillars of the faith, these fathers, as I described them, of the faith. We, we learn through their real life examples, in real history, that, that, they're, that the, the stories that are told in 12 through 50 are not just some made-up myth, right? They're not just some fairy tales, but they're real-life events of real-life people who lived in real, in real history. And, uh, and so we learned from, and this scripture does such a great job of this, we learned from both Jacob and Isaac and, uh, excuse me, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph's successes when they got it right, but we also learned through their failures. When they messed up, when they, when they took missteps, when they, when they didn't follow the way they should. And that is a great thing about scripture, is that it is real. That it's the, the only one who's perfect is God, and this is what Genesis sets up. That he's the only one that's perfect. And so humanity is always failed, always flawed, totally depraved, as, as the theologians would say. And as a result of that, the people that have followed Jesus throughout history, including to this day, are flawed people. Our faith is not enough. <laughs> but the one who we put faith in is enough. Amen? And so this, 
Final message on Genesis, uh, specifically on Genesis 12 through 50. I want to do a summary, basically, of the lessons learned about faith from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. Because they have laid for us a foundation of faith, but also the foundation of our relationship with God. And they do reveal to us in these passages, Abraham reveals to us what faith is, the introduction, if you will, of faith in Genesis 12 and then throughout his life. Isaac reveals to us the blessings, some of the blessings that come with faith, God's provision and care. Jacob reveals to us who we are putting our faith in and that he is indeed worthy of our faith. And then Joseph shows us the amazing power that is in faith. So let's start with Abraham as he reveals to us what faith is. We're going to read throughout Genesis uh, this, uh, this morning. And so we'll start with Genesis 12 and then just kind of work our way to Genesis 50. So, oh my, having an issue. You know, these first books are sometimes hard to turn to, right? So... All right, Genesis 12, verses 1 to 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. We see right away in Genesis 12 with the introduction basically of Abram here, who then becomes Abraham, that faith is about following. Faith is following God. It's stepping in and trusting that God, uh, it's trusting in God instead of creation, instead of people, instead of ourselves. Trust in the unseen God. Hebrews 1 through 11, Hebrews 11, 1 to 3. I think I have that up. There we go. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So it's faith is not in something that is tangible that's before us that we can see, but it's in a God who is unseen, on the unseen realities of our world. This is why it takes faith, right? It's because there's not concrete, like it just, you know, we can't prove God. But he does prove to us each individually that he is faithful. We'll get there. So we also, in this trusting, though, we recognize that God has revealed himself to us. He reveals us, he reveals who he is. Genesis 1 through 11 spends a lot of time communicating to us that this God who created, who is calling us to follow him, that he is a God of love, of goodness, that he has, he desires to do good things for us, to bless us, to care for us, to love us, to, 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 to be there with us. The character of God is what we're trusting, trusting that he is good and that he will bless us. But there's another definition of uh, faith that is revealed in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, when it reads as follows, and he believed the Lord, Abraham believed the Lord, 
and he counted it, counted it to him as righteousness. Faith is righteousness. Perhaps faith is the only righteousness that we as human beings can really do. To, to let go of our own abilities, our own strengths, and to trust in him. It's not our righteous behavior that is actual righteousness, because we as totally depraved human beings struggle with any kind of righteousness, but it is Jesus' righteousness that, is, uh, that allows us to be in that state of perfection, to be reconciled with God. So how do we access that righteousness of Jesus? Through faith. To putting our trust in him. Hebrews 11:6 even tells us that we can't please God without faith. And without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Amen. This is a foundation of faith. And again, perhaps the one step of righteousness that we can do. Faith is also, as we see in Genesis 22, 1 to 4, it's letting go. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddling his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and will come again to you. We see that faith is not just about following it's not just righteousness. It's letting go. Letting go of the past and letting go of the future. The hope of the future. The promised son that Abraham surrenders. That faith is about letting go of our way. Letting go of our strength. Letting go of our wisdom. And trusting in his strength. Trusting in his wisdom. Trusting in his direction. Ultimately, faith is about letting go of control. <laughs> the idea that has been stated before by someone uh, much smarter than I am, you know, that, that, that faith is about recognizing that there is a God and we are not him. That we worship the God who created. We worship and follow the God who is. Next, we see in the life of Isaac the blessings of faith. Genesis 26, 12 to 14. And Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. The Lord blessed him, and the man became rich and gained more and more until he became very wealthy. He had possessions of flocks and herds, many servants, so the Philistines envied him. We see that when we follow God, he will provide for us. He will care for our need. This is the blessing of faith, that when we surrender our control, 
when we choose to follow him wherever he leads, that he will make sure that our needs are cared for. Matthew 5, uh, 6, 31 to 33. I think I got this one as well. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first. Have faith first in the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. This is the blessing of faith, that we can walk without concern for the day-to-day needs of what we have. We know that we have a God who loves us, who's good, who's powerful, who provides. In Genesis 26, 23 to 24, we see kind of the next blessing that comes. So 26, 23 to 24, from here, he went up to Beersheba and the Lord appeared to him that same night and said, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not. For I am with you and will bless you and multiply your offspring for my servants Abraham's sake. We see here this reality that when we have faith, one of the great blessings is salvation. Faith is the catalyst to being reconciled to God. It's the, it's the thing that opens the door so that reconciliation can happen. The reality that our faith leads to our salvation is a, is a conduit of that salvation. 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9 reads as follows. Though you have not seen me, you love me. Though you do not now see me, you believe in me and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, attaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. We are saved through faith. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, right? By grace, through faith, trusting Jesus for our salvation and for our resurrection. The great blessing of faith is is our salvation, our hope for tomorrow, our eternal life that's to come. Finally, we see uh, with Isaac one more blessing that's revealed in verses 26 to 29 of chapter 26. When Abimelech went to him from Gerar with Ahuzath, his advisor, and the fickle, the commander of his army, Isaac said to them, Why have you come to me, seeing that you hate me and have sent me away from you? They said, We see plainly that the Lord has been with you. So we said, Let there be a sworn pact between us, between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you, that you will do us no harm, just as we have not touched you and have done to you nothing but good and have sent you away in peace. You are now the blessed of the Lord. The blessing here is that of peace. That when we surrender control, our fear then is dissipated. And because the fear is dissipated, we can then live a life of peace. We don't have to battle and fight for our own things. We don't have to battle and fight for, to fulfill our needs. We don't have to battle and fight this world. We can instead trust that our great father, the great creator of the universe, who we are putting our faith in, that he will provide. And when he, we know he will provide, then we can live at peace with one another. So much of the battles we even see in our nation today is because too many people are filled with fear. And they're filled with fear because they're putting their faith in the things of this world. Wealth of this world, position of this world, respect and, and honor from this world, 
Whatever it may be, they're, they're putting their faith in the things of this world, and those things are not worthy of our faith, and they cannot provide what we are trying to get from them. And so we're filled with fear, thinking that we've got to somehow make it happen. We've got to protect ourselves. But one of the great blessings of faith, when we realize that we are a child of God, that fear dissipates and we're able to live a life of peace. Understanding that it's not about us fighting for these things, it's about God providing these things in the right time, in the right way for our benefit and our blessing. Not only are we able to live at peace, but we are able to be peacemakers. We can step in to conflict and tension without fear. We can step in and be a part of bringing people together. Again, in our climate as a world, as a country right now, what are we doing as a church to bring peace? Are we stepping in to bring reconciliation? Or are we continuing to fight in fear for control? The men and women who profess faith in the creator of the universe are ones who recognize the tensions, recognize the conflict, and do as 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, be ambassadors for Christ. What are we ambassadors towards? Reconciliation. Reconciling people to God and to each other. Next, as we move into the life of Jacob, we see he reveals to us quite clearly, or God reveals quite clearly to, to Jacob who he, is ask, who, who he is, who the faithful one is. So in Genesis 28, 10 to 17, Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran, and he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the sto stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep, and he dreamed. And behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. The amazing lesson that we learned from Jacob is even though he spent all of this time and work to try to steal the blessing from his older brother Esau, that blessing was not Esau, or Jacob's or Isaac's to give, it was God's to give. See, see, see we, we, when we place our faith in God, we recognize that we don't have to fight for the things that he's promised to us. You see, when God calls us to a land that is different than where we're at currently, when he can't calls us to a new land, a different land, a land away from our family, we can trust that he is going to be the one who makes it happen. We don't have to try to make God be true to his promises. God is always true to his promises. And when he calls us, when he reveals his will to us, he will be the one who accomplishes it. Too often... 
We, as his children, we hear a call and we think, okay, now I've got to go out and make it happen. And when we run into a wall to follow him, we think, oh, I've got to tear it down or I've got to climb over it. I've got to get around it somehow. No, 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 no. God is the one who clears the path. We sit and we trust him and take the steps he calls us to take. If he tells us to climb it, then we climb it. But we don't climb it unless he tells us to. Learning to have patience and wait. This one who we put our faith in is faithful to his promises. He will always fulfill those promises to us. We don't have to force his hand. But more than that, we see in Genesis 32, 22 to 32. That not only is our God faithful, but he is strong. The same night... Jacob rose, and he took his wives, his two female servants, and his 11 children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had, and Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he's heel grabber, right? Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of that thigh that is in the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. We recognize in faith, we recognize that because God is faithful, it is also because of God's strength. We are weak. We can't do it. The, the point of this story, the thing that, Jesus, that Jacob learned in this, in this wrestling match with God is that he can't do it, that he's not enough, that he, there's no way that he has enough strength to do the will of God. There's no way that he can figure it out to make the right decisions all of the time. It's, he's dependent on God. The reality is that we, none of us can, because we're sinful, because we're depraved, because we're just not smart enough, because we're not strong enough, we can't do it, but he can. When we understand that we have a God who can, that releases us from the pressure of having to. It allows us to relinquish control and trust him. Trust that he'll step in. Trust that he'll make it happen. Even in our prayers today, some of the prayers that we pray seem impossible. Some of these situations that we're facing seem impossible. And by human standards, they are impossible, but not in God's standards. We have a God who can. Proven over and over in history that he steps in and does things that human beings can't. Over and over, not just in Scripture. It's not like God continued to do stuff for a couple of thousand years and then he stopped. God is still active, still working. We can still trust him to do mighty and powerful works. He is active. He's in our life. He's working for our good. 
We don't have to strive for control, but we also don't have to fall into apathy. Even when we have no control, even when control is taken from us, even when we're in a situation where we're always seeming to be the victim, we don't have to stay in apathy. We don't have to hang out there. We don't have to just give up. We continue to pursue Jesus. We continue to place our faith in him, trusting that maybe at some point, somewhere, he will Turn things around. He'll make something beautiful. He'll do something great. He'll, he'll, he'll answer our prayer. And the reason we continue to put faith in God is because he is worthy of our faith. Finally, with Joseph, God reveals to us the power that lies within faith. Genesis 37, 18 to 28. They saw him from afar, and before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. They said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him, and we will see what will become of his dreams. But when Reuben heard it, he rescued him out of their hands, saying, Let us not take his life. And Reuben said to them, Shed no blood, throw him into this pit here in the wilderness, but do not lay a hand on him, that he might rescue him out of their hands to restore him to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, one the robe of many colors that he wore. And they took him and threw him into a pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. Then they sat down to eat. Looked up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels bearing gum, balm, and myrrh on their way to carry it down to Egypt. Then Judah said to his brothers, What profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers listened to him. The Midianite traders passed by, and they drew Joseph up, out of the, uh, up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. They took Joseph to Egypt. Power and faith is the rest of this story. The power of faith is that he is with us in our suffering. The fact that God continues to journey with us through all of life. Even in our own sin, even our own failures, he's still with us. The fact that when we have faith in God, when we place our faith in Jesus, that he indwells us and empowers us, that he stays with us for all of eternity. Oftentimes we think a person of faith is a person that gets to live the easy life. That is not true. Life is hard for all of us, whether we believe and trust in Jesus or not. But for those who do place their faith in God, we have a companion through all of life's struggle. Someone who will never leave us. Our family, our friends, they may leave us, but not our God. He will always be there. He will always work with us. He is always working even within our trials and our suffering and again, as I've said before, even in our death, he's working. He doesn't leave us. Galatians 
has this great truth. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The power of faith is that he gives us strength to endure suffering. But more than that, we see this other amazing, unbelievable truth in Genesis 50, verse 20. As Joseph's brothers come to him, bow on their knees before Joseph and say, Joseph, please have mercy on us. We're sorry for selling you into slavery. We're sorry for all the things you endured. And what does Joseph say? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. The power in faith is the power for redemption. That God is not only with, with us in the struggle of life, the tensions and the pain and the suffering, he's not only with us in death, but he is working to redeem those ugly things in our life. He's working to turn those things around into something beautiful. He's taking the, the, the ashes of life and making beautiful artwork. He's changing us. He's working in us. How many of us have stories either in our own life or others that we know who in the midst of, or from their tragedy, God has created something amazing and beautiful. Oftentimes tragedy that, that they had to walk through, now they are walking through with other people, helping them to discover Jesus in the midst of that suffering as well. Right? I mean, how many times when, you know, this is what experience is. This is what, you know, our faith is as we understand and we walk with Jesus. That when those times come, when those uh, difficult times, when we're walking through challenges in life, when things don't seem right, when things are painful and hurtful, later on down the way, when we look back, we go, oh my gosh, we can see God's hand in it, not only in the time, but even afterwards. And because we can see God's hand in it, we now have built our faith. Our faith is stronger, but we can also help others to find Jesus in the midst of their struggle as well. This is the redeeming power of God. Romans 8, 28, we know it well. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. It's not that all things are good, but he is working in all things to bring about good. I think we saw some of this even last week in Rebecca's interview testimony. In the midst of this battle with cancer, she is finding that God is ringing redemption in the midst of it. She's finding God to be real and true in a way that she's never experienced before. But also, even though she's still walking through it, she's able to be an encouragement to others. God is giving her a voice to be able to speak out and proclaim the goodness of God even in the midst of her battle with cancer. Power in faith is a redeeming power because the one who we place our faith in is a redeemer. He's always working for our good, and he can even take our own sin and use it for good. This is why we don't allow sin to defeat us. As believers, sin is something we got to deal with, certainly. We need repentance 
But a sin is something we don't have to dwell on. Instead, it's something that we can look, okay, yeah, that was really ugly. I'm sorry, Lord. Please redeem it. Please use it for your good somehow. Have you prayed that prayer? I've prayed that prayer many times. When I came to understand this reality of Genesis 50, 20, that even though my things that I'm doing for evil on purpose, that God can actually turn them around into something great to actually save souls. I'm like, Lord, every time now I sin, I'm like, Lord, somehow, I don't know how, but you're an amazing God who can do this. You are all powerful and you are good. So somehow, Lord, redeem my own sin. The pain that I've caused other people, may you turn it into something beautiful in their life. Not for my glory, because it's not, right? That's a shame. Like, ah, that was a horrible thing that I did. But for your glory shows how great a redeemer you actually are. I don't know about you, but for me, going through the book of Genesis, preaching through the book of Genesis has been a great encouragement to me. When he first uh, started leading me to, to do this series two years ago, I questioned it quite a bit. I was like, ah, I don't know about Genesis. That's a long book. <laughs> and I was like, ah, I don't know about Genesis. I don't feel like, man, I, I don't know. Man, I, I like Genesis, but man, there's a lot of complex stuff in there. I don't know. But it's been a real encouragement to me as I've walked through it, as the Lord has taught me these pieces, reminded me sometimes, but other times revealed new things, new aspects of who he is. And the amazing reality of all of that is that this, you know, these events were 2,000, 3,000 years ago or more in the book of Genesis. And God's the same. (laughs) The lessons that are taught in the book of Genesis that, of about events that were two to 3,000 years ago, they're still relevant for today. Even though our culture is different, the language is different, the way we perceive things is totally different, but the lessons about who God is, who we are, what faith is, and who is faithful, those, those truths last forever. They're timeless. And so it's been a great encouragement for me as I've gone through Genesis. I hope it has been for you. I know some of you for sure have expressed some of that in, in, in throughout the last couple of years, and that is a sweet, sweet thing. God is good. Amen. Amen. Worship team, why don't you come up? I just got kind of a closing maybe statement about this. It's kind of wrote out, and I'll just read it to you. Our fathers of faith reveal the foundations of our relationship with God. Through their courageous leaps and foolish missteps, we come to understand the importance of faith and the blessings inherent within. Come to understand who is faithful and understand the amazing power that exists within faith. Without their witness of the real-life works and words of God, we would each be left to discover faith on our own. But their recorded experiences not only give us a clear direction, they fill us with a sure hope. We, too, can know and enjoy the wonderful blessings and power of our good, loving, and faithful Father. As we, walk with, uh, as we walk the well-worn path of faith, may we be sure to honor their trailblazing by rereading and remembering their lives. 
But let us not overlook our own responsibility to join in their witness. May we continue to broaden the path they forged by walking the edges of faith as Jesus leads. May we follow their lead by allowing others to see our moments of uncharacteristic courage and unfortunate stumbles. Indeed, it is only through seeing the real-life triumphs and defeats that the world is able to see the amazing grace and mercy of the one in whom we put our faith. And with each step, he proves his faithfulness and further empowers us to be faith-filled. Amen? Church, let's stand and we'll sing a song together, then I'll come close. Ephesians chapter 2, And you were dead in the trespasses and sin in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But... God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared for beforehand, that we should walk in them. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Church, if you don't know or you don't have enough faith or you're struggling with faith, come forward. Let's pray for you. Let us, let us lift you before the Lord. Let us encourage you maybe with our own stories. So come this morning. Receive prayer if you need it. Otherwise, have a great day. Enjoy some fellowship together. May God be blessed and continue to walk in faith. Amen.